It's your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day and to bring you another really good show. Got Phil Miller from the Star Tribune joining me here in just a few minutes to break down the Twins at the trade deadline. You might think that would be an incredibly short and boring segment because they did not do anything on Tuesday, but you would be wrong because Phil and I found plenty to talk about in that activity, in the inactivity as well, and uh, plenty of, of twin stuff beyond just the trade deadline to get to some injury concerns starting to mount. Where do they kind of where do they go from here? What does the roster look like for the rest of the season now that this is their team? And they did win three to two on Tuesday, snapping that five game losing streak. So a, a good win for them in C- in St. Louis. Two games up now on Cleveland. So. Um, you know, it's not the end of the world. They didn't do anything, but Phil and I will get into some of the reasons why and some of the frustration maybe from fans that they stood pat, even with the division very much within their grasp. Also get to Anthony Edwards at the end of the show, something new you will be seeing from Ant this season, something uh, that he's not done yet as a Timberwolf in his first few years here. First, though, what did I miss? Let's start with the Vikings and their pursuit their light pursuit or, you know, fairly serious pursuit, I guess, of guard Dalton Reisner. Um, And they bring him in for a free agent visit this week. He leaves without signing a contract. Just reading from uh, from the Vikings notebook today, Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. This is Ben Gessling um, writing about it. He was here, did not, uh, you know, had a a physical examination, met with a bunch of people in the building. Kevin O'Connell said, Uh, We care deeply about our locker room culture. The fit of players is always going to be something we have a lot of dialogue about in explaining why they wanted to bring him in, in addition to um, not just having negotiations, but actually bring him in for a visit. Now, the Vikings guard situation. Dalton Risner is a guard. And if you were going to pick a weak point on the line, it's definitely the interior. And it's probably pointing right at Ed Ingram, who had a Ben, ter- ben terms it uneven rookie year, and I think that was pretty kind, although he did have his moments. Um, he started, you know, he played a lot of snaps last year, but he also gave up a lot of pressures, a lot of quarterback hits, and a lot of quarterback sacks, a fair amount of penalties as well. Compared to Dalton Risner, there is no comparison between their 2022 seasons, which is why this other O'Connell quote was kind of funny to me. He said, it would be pure speculation on my part to envision what a player not on our team would potentially do to that situation. One thing I will say is we want this to be as competitive in all situations as we possibly can. Competition tends to make everybody better. We feel we've got great competition already at that particular position position, and are still seeking daily growth. This was purely about taking something we feel is pretty strong and investigating the possibility of making it even better. No, it is not. That is not a position of strength right now. You do not bring in a free agent, the guy who's probably the top of the market for guards right now. He's not an all-pro, but he's a pretty good guard, especially in the in pass protection, which I'll get to in a minute. You do not bring someone like that in in August if you feel good about your depth, if you feel good about your starting five on the offensive line. Maybe these guys all watched the quarterback documentary. They saw Kirk Cousins get absolutely battered last year, the most hits of any quarterback in the NFL Ed Ingram was a part of that. He was not the only part of that, but he played a big role. Um, Ed Ingram gave up three times as many quarterback hits as Dalton Risner last year and twice as many quarterback pressures. Allowed four, um, I think he allowed 11 sacks and four penalties. Dalton Risner last year, um, one sack and three penalties. So there you go. Risner was 
was uh, charged with uh, protecting Russell Wilson in Denver. That year was a disaster. Uh, it keeps becoming more apparent what a disaster is because now Nathaniel Hackett is firing back at um, is firing back at uh, Sean Payton for ripping him last week. That story continues to be funny, but this story staying on topic. This would be a good get for the Vikings. I don't. This is not like. Uh, a Super Bowl or bust kind of move. I would be curious to see what kind of contract terms they are looking for in this case. But and I'll also be curious to see what the what the full impact of the Daniil Hunter contract is on the Viking salary cap. And there's still some things they, they can do this offseason, some levers they can pull. TJ Hawkinson extension, Justin Jefferson extension, things like that that could manipulate the cap a little bit more, push some stuff to future years. But guard is a position of relative concern right now. Ezra Cleveland <clears throat> has has been improving, I think, steadily, but uh, he's not under contract anything beyond this season. Um, Ed Ingram is under contract, but he needs to have some growth this season. And maybe he can. Year one to year two, guys can, can guys can do plenty. But if we're just talking about an apples-to-apples comparison of the 2022 seasons, Dalton Risner is light years ahead of Ed Ingram, Ed Ingram especially in pass protection. Then they also have Chris Reed. He's their veteran backup, but he's still on the pup list. We do not have a timeline for his return. So let's just be honest. It's a position of weakness. It's a position of deficiency. Maybe they don't want to admit that for negotiating tactics to not make their current guys feel bad. But if you bring in a guy for a visit this late in the game, this guy's been a free agent for months. If you bring him in now, that is you acknowledging that you don't have exactly what you want right there. Even if you say that the competition is good and you feel good about what you've got regardless. MGM Wine and Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, premixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there's an MGM near you. Head to MGMWineandSpirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine and Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. I've got Phil Miller, Star Tribune Twins beat writer with me here today. And just because the Twins didn't do anything on... uh, on Tuesday, Phil, doesn't mean we can't do anything right now. I think it bears some analysis of maybe why, uh, outside of the you know uh, Jorge Lopez offloading trade for another middle reliever, there was nothing that was done at this deadline, even for a team that has some pretty obvious needs, is still in first place now by two games in the AL Central, a very winnable division. Um, I guess from, from your perspective, Phil, why uh i'll get to i'll get to Val, derek valvey's explanation in a minute but why do you think this just didn't materialize as a as an opportunity to upgrade a a roster well i i have to say if you look around at who did get traded uh you wonder uh, outside of some of the pitchers you wonder who exactly uh, the twins might have wanted i mean uh, uh jake berger got traded uh would he have been a fit uh, not really. Um, you know, Tommy Pham might have uh, might have stepped in, but um, you know, he's he's kind of bounced around a little bit. Uh, I guess a journeyman uh, type like that might have might have helped. Uh, I don't know, AJ Pollock, uh, guys like that. Uh, that um, I can't say that there's anybody that you uh, that jumps out at you as uh oh that's that's the guy uh that that would have helped um and uh you know I, 
all in all, uh, uh, after listening to Derek Falvey, uh, he didn't mention names, but uh, we, you know, we asked him, "How are you going to beat left-handed pitching?" Yeah, this team has this team has the worst batting average, the worst slugging percentage, and the worst on-base percentage uh, in baseball uh, against left-handers. And he didn't mention names, but the gist of his answer was, well, we went out and signed Carlos Correa and yeah. uh, we've got Byron Buxton. Uh, you know, that's uh, that's a pretty good place to start. Uh, Jorge Polanco, uh, um, you know, is a switch hitter. Uh, right. You know, he talked about, you know, guys need to step up. Uh, he, uh, he sold the lack of movement as not a show that, um, you know, we're not trying to help. Right. Uh, he said, you know, we've got parts here to do it. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, after watching them uh, flail against uh, Ryan Yarbrough uh, yeah. on Sunday, it's it's really easy to be skeptical about that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just look around uh, all the trades and I think, well, who exactly did they miss out on? Um, uh, I was a little surprised by that. And I, I think, uh, I think more teams were looking for pitching uh, and it turned out more found pitching than, uh, than, uh, the hitters that, uh, that the twins need. I, I don't know. Would, would Josh Bell have, uh, right. have moved the needle? They weren't going to get him, but I mean, that's their chief competitor dumping him. Right. Uh, it, it, it just wasn't an impressive list. No, that's true. And you know, I don't speak foul V's as fluently as you probably do, but when he said <laughs> we had some clear buy side conversations with teams that said we might be interested in doing a deal like that. We just need to see what happens over the next four to five days. What ultimately happened over those four to five days as things changed, it shrunk the market a bit. I think that's kind of what you're getting at, right? That maybe some players they thought were going to be available or looked like they could be available simply either weren't available or weren't available at a reasonable price at the end. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, the Angels is deciding uh, to add players, right. uh, change the market. Uh, you know, they went out and uh, and traded for CJ Crone. Uh, maybe uh, you know they CJ was uh, was really good when he was here in uh, 2019. Uh, I I'm sure that uh, the fact that the Angels were uh, buying and not selling uh, changed things. Uh, the uh, you know the Yankees supposedly had uh, had a lot of talks about um, offloading some of their guys. I don't know that that would have been a great match um, for the Twins, but uh, you know they decided to hold. Um, yeah, I I think that's why I asked him. Uh, I did ask him. Uh, did five straight losses change your thinking at all? But of course, they're in the AL Central. Um, they lost five straight games, uh, were uh, a game above 500, now two games above 500. And, uh, and they, uh, you know, they're still in first place. And, yeah, by two games. Yeah. And in uh, Cleveland offloaded uh, their best pitcher this year. I, yes. It's, it's uh, it, you know, it's not uh, hard to think of them as the likely division winners. Um, assuming they don't melt down as they did uh, last year. Um, and that does come with the benefit of, uh, of a playoff spot. Uh, and you just, you know, the trick is getting into the tournament. And after that, um, 
you know, starting pitching uh, makes right. a big difference. Uh, Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan. Yeah. Here we go. And not just a playoff spot. One of the reasons it surprised me that they didn't do anything this year, and of course they did go for it last year, and I'll get to that in a minute because that did not go well in retrospect. But uh, if you if you look at the format of the playoffs now, you're you know if you're trying to win the division as the third division winner, which they often have been in these scenarios where they've made the postseason over the last two decades, it's different now. You're as the third division winner, which they almost certainly would be this year if they won the AL Central. You're playing the sixth seed. You've got a three-game series all at home. You've got a very winnable first-round matchup. Now, I wouldn't look at this roster and say World Series potential. I mean, you know, any team can can go as, as once they get there. But the opportunity with the way this has changed now, I mean, especially if you get a bye, which they weren't going to get. But if even if you are a division winner, you have a very, a very good chance to win a playoff game, win a playoff series, Stop that streak, at least. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> maybe they feel like they've got the team at least to get to the postseason. They can do all this anyway. But adding to that, while other teams are subtracting, felt like it might have given them just a, that's that extra edge in a year where the where the division is even worse than usual. Yeah, and it's it's also true though that the, the, that might seem like a, a great prize, although uh, it you know we don't have to think very far back to recall that. All division championships used to uh, get you uh, to the AL division series, uh, and now you kind of have to play your way uh, right. into it. It, it. Easy is that path may be. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's true. They uh, um, and you know you only have to look back at the Phillies last year who had to take the same path. They were the sixth seed in the National League, got to the World Series, uh, won a couple of games there. So. Um, there is value uh, in doing that. You're right. Uh, it would have uh, it, it would have shored up their chances there. Uh, I, I just think no matter who they play, they're going to face lefty, lefty, lefty. Uh, yeah. In the playoffs, right? I mean, uh, and maybe uh, maybe Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton uh, have uh, turned things around by then. That's certainly what the Twins are uh, counting on. I will say that. Correa's uh, reputation is okay, uh, you know, all-star level uh, regular season player, but rises to the occasion in the playoffs. Sure. Uh, is a big game player. Uh, we'll have to see if uh, if that plays out. He he occasionally uh, this season really looks lost. Uh, that's and that's what's killing him against left-handed uh, pitching. Um, but it is a prize worth uh, worth winning. Uh, Opportunity lost, I guess, but uh, um, you know, it, starting pitching means so much in the uh, postseason, and that's where you start with the strength of the Twins. No, that's true. I think that's fair, and I think they're still, like you said, certainly the favorite to emerge from the division, especially as we saw, like we said, Cleveland making some trades to to lose some of their, you know, at least Savale, one of their uh, one of their better pitchers, and then you know, watching Chicago completely fall apart, and you know, I don't think Detroit's a real factor here even though they're not that nope. far out of things but if you think if you just look at the history with Falvey and, and Levine and I wrote about this a little bit today or I'm sorry Tuesday you know they, they've been better when they've been in kind of yeah. seller mode they, they've done some nice deals I mean Joe Ryan like you just talked about um, Joan Duran was a 2018 acquisition they, they've made some right. good trades even the Barrios trade I thought was good those guys haven't panned out yet but those were two like top five prospects with Austin Martin and uh, 
Simeon Woods Richardson. But when they've been buyers, they just haven't really done much. And I do wonder if last year where, you know, they do the Lopez trade, Fulmer was okay. That was fine. That was kind of a lower leverage deal. But the Mally trade, especially where they've given up two guys now who are looking like they're going to be pretty good for the Reds. You know, Spencer Steer would certainly look good in their lineup right now. And I don't know if they could have projected that. Did last year maybe make them a little bit more cautious or, you know, also probably emptied their their arsenal a little bit in terms of what they could offer other teams this year at the deadline as well. Yeah, they do have some uh, other tradable prospects. I know that uh, teams were after, but uh, but yeah, at some point you need to uh, keep them for yourself, especially if you're uh, floundering uh, as much. Uh, It's it's. It's difficult. Yeah, they traded for three pitches last year, and it's likely that none of them will ever throw a pitch for the Twins again uh, here a year later um, while they get to watch uh, uh, highlights of uh, their best players, best prospects in the Reds uh, these days. Uh, I I doubt that that played a big role for one thing. They were looking for something different, um, but it might have made them think, uh, you know, None of those guys made a difference last year. That was uh, that was one lesson of it. They uh, they got three. Uh, you know, it seemed like a real haul they uh, made at uh, the trade deadline, and none of them really had uh, a great impact down the stretch. Um, and none of them were going to have an impact uh, going forward. So, uh, you know, I I doubt that it held them up from. Uh, making a deal for a hitter but uh yeah lesson learned i guess you know in addition to to that though you look at their roster right now and you look at kind of how they're constructed where they're where they're headed our colleague bobby bobby nightingale jr your beat partner now was he's in st louis they they won three two on tuesday good a good game from pablo lopez um some timely hitting there i think it was solano that had the pinch hit two run single in the seventh to kind of push them over the over the top in that one but um, you kind of look at, I looked at his notes uh, from today. Brock Stewart doesn't seem like he's close to getting back. He, he threw, he threw like 94 in a bullpen, but still having pain in his forearm. And I see Kirilov now getting an MRI on Monday. Level of concern on those two is pretty high because if you're thinking about, hey, you know, I know we didn't add anybody, but we got these guys coming back. Like, ah, if, if Stewart's not coming back for a while and if Kirilov is... You know, if this shoulder is anything serious, like I know they've got a lot of left-handed hitting first baseman outfielders, but he was the one that was actually hitting really well, and that's a hole in their lineup right now. If he's gonna, if he's out for any significant amount of time, yeah. AP, I mean, uh, AL Player of the Week, uh, yeah. two weeks ago. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a big loss, and uh, uh, it, it it is alarming how uh, uh, Rocco first said, uh, told us Friday in Kansas City that. Uh, He'll probably get Sunday off so we can have Sunday and Monday. And then uh, he came out of the game Saturday uh, not feeling right. Uh, the shoulder was clearly getting worse. And uh, next thing you knew, he's uh, he's on the injured list. Uh, yeah, that and 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 then send uh, to see what's going on in there with a with an MRI. It uh, it does not look it does not sound good, and uh, that. Uh, you know, if he's out for any extended period of time, well, we're back on the uh, Joey Gallo adventure uh, yes. uh, with with him playing third base. I mean, I mean, first base, the, uh, you know, he was so good in April. He's such an unusual player. I, 
I have been fascinated this season watching uh, how effortless it seemed for him in April and how clueless he seems uh, at the, in the depths of this. And you think this, isn't, this can't be the same player. Uh, the mile-high pop-ups, the 480-foot home runs, uh, it's, uh, yeah, he has been an interesting player. And then I, I discovered that uh, in four months' time, he has, tw- he has 12 hits this season on two-strike counts. Wow. You get him to two strikes three times a month, he, uh, he will get a hit with two strikes. Uh, you know, I looked it up. Joe Maurer hit like uh, 268 or something w- on two strike counts. Yeah. And uh, Joey Gallo uh, is batting about 068 oh, uh, with two strikes. So, yeah, if you get him to two strikes, he's, uh, he's about gone. Uh, he strikes out about 70% of the time and has uh, 12 hits uh, with two strikes. I asked him about his two-strike approach. Uh, I will also say that this, the 068 or whatever it is, is one of the lowest uh, averages on two strikes in baseball history wow. among the guys who play, like sixth to seventh lowest ever. Essentially tied with his average last season oh my gosh it's two, it's yeah. two years in a row he's been it's the same amazing. guy yeah he's the same guy yeah it's uh it's it, it is uh quite something to watch and i've distracted myself from the question just going on that's about okay that's okay it's it's he's watching fascinating. the he is. Uh, watching the joey gallo experience and and but like a lot of teams uh they stick with him uh in hopes of uh in in hopes of him going on one of those four homers a week stretches yeah, um, Kirloff is one thing. Brock Stewart is another. And, you know, Duran got the save Tuesday. He did give up a homer in the ninth, but he got a couple strikeouts. He's had a few rough outings lately, though. And if he's, you know, it seemed like he was a little bit worn down in there, but it could just be going through a stretch where he got hit a little bit. But, you know, and Bobby Witt was hitting everything in Kansas City. So I guess there's that piece of it, too. The home run he gave up, I think it was Friday in that, in that game. I mm-hmm. think it was Friday night when they... Yep. When they when they got walked off in the uh, in extra yep. innings after going up five four, um, but if, if we're talking about the bullpen now, like you know Stewart was doing great for a while, then he got he was on the injured list. What's the trust level? What's the pecking order right now? Especially if Duran is not quite as lights out as he was for the first you know three months of the year. Well, what choice do they have? Uh, well, you yeah, know, with, right. I know without without Stewart, I mean they've got uh, you know uh, Jackson Thielbar looked like a great uh setup pair and then Stewart uh uh was the surprise of camp and the surprise of the early part of the season uh i don't you know that's that's the pecking order uh they are using pagan uh in the seventh or eighth to get to those guys but uh you know jacks rode for three and a half months on he hadn't given up a home run all year and he gave up two in a week and uh you know, uh, the wheels start coming off. It, the problem is that offense is so uh, quiet on so many nights. Yeah. They play so many close games um, that uh, that every run by the bullpen seems like it uh, gets magnified because it, it puts a game in jeopardy or it costs them a game. Um, that's, you know, that that's the other thing about beefing up the uh, lineup w- would have helped. Uh, and again, I 
can't blame the twins front office for saying, well, we've got, we've got a two time, three time all-star shortstop, uh, you know, who we uh, brought in to hit, uh, why isn't he hitting? Yeah, so that'd be nice. Uh, yeah. And same with, uh, Byron Buxton. Uh, so, uh, I understand where they come from, but, uh, Stewart's absence is, uh, is a really big deal because, uh, they don't trust anybody, but, uh, Duran, Jax, and kind of Pagan. We'll see how, uh, how, uh, Floro does. I know, uh, I know Rocco talked up the uh, idea of having a, a ground ball pitcher, uh, that can, uh, that, doesn't give up home runs uh i don't think he's uh at this point in his career he's a setup guy uh, anymore but you know they they might not have many chances if uh if um brock uh, doesn't come back uh and if seal bar isn't the same as uh, right. as he was in years past i want to circle back on correa and bucks in the minute. maybe we'll finish there but i did want to ask you are we too hard on Pagan? Because he's actually been... I feel like every time he starts pitching well, we start to trust him, and then he has a blow-up game in a really high-leverage situation. But he was good again Tuesday, a pretty clean inning um, in the seventh, a scoreless inning. ERA is down to 3.23 now, and I know a lot of that's been in some of those lower-leverage roles, but they're, they're starting to have to use him again in more of those kind of sixth and seventh inning games still within reach, or you know, in this case, they were tied, I think, 1-1 when he came into the game. Uh, what do we... What do we make of trusting Emilio Pagan uh, and, and where they're at with that? You know, if you talk to him, he says his stuff is, is, is as good as it's ever been. This is, uh, this is peak Emilio Pagan, uh, which makes, you know, the, the game he blew uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, it's just a flashback, just a reminder right. of, uh, of, of, uh, it just all seems to go south in the highest leverage games form. Uh, I think he, I, I think they want to keep him in the seventh inning role. I, I think they want him uh, to be followed by Thielbar and Jax. And, uh, you know, I think they still trust those guys more. Um, yeah, we're probably too hard on Emilio Pagan for how he's pitched this year, but yeah. You don't get to, you don't get to erase what happened last year. No. Uh, um, so I, you know, do it for two more months and uh, maybe we'll uh, give you a cleaner slate next year. But I have a hard time uh, uh, seeing how they trust him uh, with anything late. The, the, but like I say, the trouble is they had the how many uh, extra inning games in a row. Yeah. Uh, in the last week, uh, every every game is high leverage. It seems yeah. like so they have no uh, they have no choice a lot a lot of the time lately. By the way, I didn't notice this until now, but uh, Cleveland didn't just lose, didn't just get shut out. They got no hit by the Astros tonight. Uh, Valdez with a ninety three pitch no hitter. All he gave up was a walk in the fifth inning. Um, There's a double play in that inning, so he faced the minimum in the game. So that's. Not great for Cleveland. Um, good for the Twins. Who needs Twins. Verlander? <clears throat> Who needs Verlander? Exactly. Verlander back to Houston. That was an interesting, uh, interesting development. But you're right. A, a lot of this is, a lot of this need is predicated on Correa and Buxton just have not hit like they thought they would hit, and frankly, how they are getting paid to hit, and frankly, how their track record suggests they should hit. Are they any closer to understanding and, why 
they have not hit in in you know in really in four months this season. There's been little stretches, but by and large, these guys have been disappointing. Why is that? It's, yeah, and it's not it's not that they're not hitting. Like oh, he's uh, he's having uh, an off year. They were both. Uh, I don't know if Correa got below 200, but uh, uh, you know, Buxton Bucks, did. Uh, yeah. Buxton got below 190, and Correa has been right around 200. They're not. It's it's not like they're not hitting. It's it's like they're killing the lineup on yes. a lot of days. Uh, Buxton uh, uh, hitting below 200, and Correa leading the league in double plays. Uh, so many rallies uh, those guys have killed, and it it just makes no sense uh, uh, when Buxton started the year so strong. Yeah. Uh, and Korea, uh, Korea, you know, they take last year's Carlos Correa. He was good last year. They were both good last year. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and you know, and he came on in September. He was the, about the only guy uh, right. playing well in September. <laughs> but yeah, they, it, it's, it's fairly mystifying uh, how, uh, how these two guys can not just, it's, it's, it's not like a downturn. It's like suddenly they're Joey Gallo. It's like, right. uh, uh, they are killing rally after uh, rally, and uh, I, I, you know, I wish I had an answer. I'd be a hitting coach if right. I uh, if I knew that. Uh, but I will say that uh, uh, he didn't name names, but like I said, Derek Falvey made it pretty clear that they feel like they've got the guys that should be carrying the offense. And uh, you know, when is that going to start? Well, we'll see if the tactic of not doing anything at the deadline ends up being you know good i mean it's it's certainly certainly possible they win this division regardless and it's certainly possible that there weren't you know viable moves to be made that would have been more than just window dressing it wouldn't been significant upgrades and we do remember the first year of falvey and levine when they thought they were maybe buyers and got jaime garcia then thought they maybe they were sellers and traded jaime garcia and traded kinsler and then they went and got the wild card anyway so anything can happen it's not all about the deadline, but uh, I think maybe people were wanting a little bit more, and I think fans were a little bit frustrated on Tuesday. Yeah, what you should hold on to is your better than 50% chance of getting into the playoffs now. And in the in that three-game series, you're going to start Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Pablo Lopez. You'll have Kenta Maeda, and, and I, I kind of skipped over Bailey Ober, but oh, by the way, he... Uh, he was leading the team in uh, Ward. Uh, yes, so ago uh, got a hit a little bit last time, but uh, uh, you know those guys uh, give you a real fighting chance to go to surprise people and to go farther than you should otherwise. Um, uh, it's it. I understand fans being disappointed. I I really thought that they were going to make uh, a move, but uh, um, you know we'll. Uh, bring on October, I guess, uh, if, uh, if they can get there right now at this moment, I think I have Bailey Ober in the postseason three ran rotation for a wild card over Joe Ryan, but that's just me. Yeah. And, uh, and you've got, they've got two, two more months yes. to, uh, uh, establish themselves. I mean, uh, uh, let's hear it for Bailey Ober. Uh, he was so convinced he, and convincing in spring training that he deserved to be on the, on the team. And they didn't have room and then they had room for him. And he has lived up to everything that he said in spring training and some, uh, I, uh, I think he's, uh, we knew he was a good pitcher. We didn't know he was this good. 
No. And he gives them, you know, you think about next year too, and when you're going to be losing Maeda and Gray, like if Ober wasn't having this year he's having, they're like, oh man, who who else besides, you know, Lopez and, and Ryan is, is still here? I mean, you got, you've still got three viable pitchers going into next year that you can build around, and that's got to feel good for 2024. But until then, it's 2023, and we'll see how it goes. We'll see if 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 this, you know, proves to be prudent. Uh, they're at the exact, what this is the exact two-thirds point, I believe, right now of the season, 108 yep. games. They are up by two games. Nobody else in the division is any good. They are definitely the best team in the division. I just don't know if they're going to play like it the rest of the way, but that's why they play the games, and that's why we talk to Phil Miller all the time. Phil, appreciate it, as always. Have fun with the grandkids, the inflatables, all the stuff you're doing, and uh, we'll talk again soon. I'll tell him you said hi, Mike. I always love talking to Phil Miller, not just for his twins' knowledge, but like I said, for his interpreter skills and able to interpret and put into English foul Vs, which is not easy sometimes, and uh, kind of explain what exactly Derek Falvey was trying to say on Tuesday after the trade deadline passed, and they did not add anybody I get it. I think it's frustrating, though. I think they're going to regret not making a bigger push, at least in the bullpen. Um, Even if they think they have the right-handed bats that should produce at some point, they've been bad all year at that. They can can project all they want. The bullpen is the area of concern for me, because even if they win this division, even if they have the starting pitching, things get tight in the postseason. Starts get a little shorter. You're going to need arms to connect from, you know, kind of those mid to late innings to, to the very end. And I don't think they have enough arms that they trust right now, even if some guys come back healthy. So that's my bigger concern right now. As I talked about last week with Lavelle, I think bullpen is a big concern, and I don't think they did nearly enough. They barely did anything. Uh, kind of a net neutral trade with Jorge Lopez, nothing else beyond that. I think that's going to come back and bite them. But we will see. These guys are paid to do the job. I'm here to. I'm paid to talk about it. We will see who ends up being right. Let's finish with the cooler quickly. Anthony Edwards changing his number from one to five, and this feels like a no-brainer. Basically, he uh, he took one a while back because Malik Beasley already was wearing uh, wearing the five that he wore when he was in college at Georgia. Um, Edwards was, and um, then Beasley gets traded last year. And, uh, and and Kyle Anderson ends up, uh, you know, Kyle Anderson was here. Kyle Anderson took uh, took number five, even though Kyle Anderson has worn number one a lot during his career. So these guys just basically swap numbers. Ant is now five. Kyle Anderson is now one. Both these guys seem like they have the numbers they want now. So Ant, uh, I don't know if Ant is being facetious or what, but he, he basically he said the number is going to change him. He's going to see a lot of athleticism, more dunks, just a di- different level of play because I got my number on my back now. Um, okay, we'll see about that. If there is another level, um, if there is another level, he told that to Stadium. If there is another level for Anthony Edwards, and it's because of his number, hey, I think Wolf Sands would take that because any growth, continued growth in Anthony Edwards' game would be good news for the Timberwolves. And you know what? Maybe they'll sell a few of those jerseys too. Boy, you never know if they might sell a few of those Anthony Edwards number fives. And get uh, get your discount Anthony Edwards number one jerseys, I'm sure too, because those are going to be obsolete here in just a little bit. That'll do it for me today. I'm thinking I'm going deep on Thursday on all of what's been happening and what is yet to come on Sports on TV. Jason Gerwin, uh, founder of The Streamable, I'm expecting to have him on Thursday's podcast. He's been on a couple times before, does a great job kind of breaking down all of, you know, Bally Sports North, the future, talking about the Twins, talking about Wolves, Wild, big picture nationally, things like that. So Jason will be on with me, I believe, on Thursday to talk more about that. So we will see how that all shakes out. Thanks again for joining me here on today's show. We'll be back at it again tomorrow.